do 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 switch mania playcast welcome to episode 68 of the switch mania playcast we're actually running together on the same episode almost <laughs> running head to head as you don't hear all sewed p over here <laughs> So unfortunately, JP was not able to join us this week, but uh, oh, it's all good. It's, it's all good. good. It's all good. Um, so it's been a bit since we've actually recorded traditionally. We're actually recording like <laughs> on my computer, so it doesn't sound like I'm in a wind tunnel like last week. <laughs> um, so as always, uh, if you could give us a rating over on Apple Podcasts, that would always help us come up in the search engines and. Switch Collector Volume 1, there are a couple copies still left over at HagensLA.com, as well as PremiumEditionGames.com. Um, so Barry, how's uh, how's everything been going? Ah, it's been very, very busy. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of life. Life just has <laughs> not slowed down for, for home life and family life, and life has not slowed down for housework and work work and it, it doesn't seem like there's a break in sight but that's okay what about you i was just been madness every day i've been working 12 to 13 hour days for my normal job and then every day back and forth with nintendo fixing up uh items for all our submissions um we already got one game in production, working on the other one, which is ironically the first one that's going back and forth with Nintendo, even up to this day, um, which is crazy. It's always fun with, when there's a game that's been released for two years on the eShop, and they keep magically finding stuff from Nintendo, and it's like, wow. <laughs> it's fun, though. Um, but it's it's always a learning process, and, it, and we all realize now um, why Switch games take forever to come out in certain aspects, right? Oh, absolutely, and uh, it's, it's crazy to think how many, you know, have been coming out, especially lately, it seems to Jeez. just be non-stop, and that's so many submissions, oh my god. <laughs> What's funny, though, is that, like, all the submissions that are going on, that's where it's like, I'll submit something, and it might take a, a week for them to get back to me, and then the latest one, which is funny, and I don't like to throw too much shade, but they tested the game... And said that the online leaderboards in Super Blood Hockey weren't working, but they didn't have their Switch connected to the internet when they tested it. Um, <laughs> and that like, made it a week, like a week it, delay of that. It was a week delay, and we're like, um, so I had, you know, like, like the developer, like Loren, looked at it, and he's like, um, there's no errors, there's no issues, it's working perfectly, I don't get it, and then, like, I literally send it back and go, hey, can I get a waiver for this, because, like, we can't reproduce it, or can you give me more information? When we did that, they got back to us, and this was a week back and forth, um, and they're like, oh, yeah, yep, can't reproduce it, it's good to go. We're like, what? <laughs> no! <laughs> like... Oh, I got you. Gotta love it though. This is all a a fun fun time, um, but it's all part of the piece. Of course, though, like we're literally waiting to give Nintendo the uh, the funds to produce this thing. Like we've been waiting to send them. Like we already did the pre-orders. We have it here. Take it so we can get this in people's hands. Like we've been waiting. Like everything, all the art's good to go. Approved everything. Like we're waiting. <laughs> like oh 
And the thing is, is, and this is what I told Barry before we recorded, like, so say we, we do the order and everything, like, you're pushing it back. Like, Nintendo makes you wait two months for physical production. And so, like, we started this on week one of the pre-order. <laughs> and it's been, like, over a month and a half. But by the time they get it now, it's Christmas. And then we get it to you know, to get it assembled after, during Christmas when everybody's doing stuff with their families. We can't expect people to be assembling during the holidays and stuff. So, like, we, we pushed, pushed back, like, a month because of the back and forth, but then now we're going through the holidays, so it's going to cause delays, which is like, man, I understand. And I never really judge too badly, I don't think, about other companies with delays because I'm pretty patient when it comes to pre-ordering. But I know we've seen a lot of people online be critical of, oh, I've been waiting forever for this or this. And I I got a lot of pre-orders that are out there. But I understand now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, crazy. And I actually, Barry, this week got in my first game in a long, long time. Like, and we could talk about it now since it's one game. Um, sure. I got in Load Runner Legacy from Strictly Limited. Ah, yes. Yeah. And I was actually, because Barry, we were doing a battle or something right before we recorded, right? And <laughs> and I was like opening it up because I hadn't opened it yet. Because I got the the um, collector's edition because I love Strictly Limited's boxes with the... Um, with the fold over and the uh, magnet and everything, and the boxes are really good quality. It looks like an old school like PC game. Um, they didn't really fill up the box though, which is interesting because like they put you put all the stuff in there. There's still like a big spot in there where they could have thrown in like a, I don't something. I don't know. But the thing is, is I opened it up in the art book. You know, me being a book guy and like it's not a strategy guy like what we're doing, which is which is you know of course that's why we're doing strategy guys. But the art book in there does like a history of the Load Runner franchise, and the way it's laid out is really awesome. Like whoever talking about Bomberman too. Um, it doesn't really talk about Bomberman too much, but um, it's more like all the different Load Runner games that were released on all consoles throughout the years, and. It does a cool thing where it has like the box art and screenshots and it's like stuff that I started doing with the complete NES and I love I do that because I enjoy that layout and I kind of spearheaded doing that before anybody else was doing it and now that people are doing it that way I'm like yes that's awesome that's how I want to see it <laughs> and so it's a really impressive little book that fits perfectly inside the box um that's cool there's a there's some stickers and posters and stuff which again i got no use for that stuff um if we do a sticker like in ours it's gonna be one sticker inside the actual game that fits in there whereas this is a big sheet of stickers that only fits in the collector box um they have a soundtrack in there which is a traditional cd soundtrack which will be really cool i do like getting a a soundtrack with my stuff um and then the game fits in their little foam thing and um, got the, the nice little collectors. Feels very light, so I don't think there's a manual in it. Is Strictly Limited not do manuals? Uh, I don't think they do. Really? Like, that's such a weird thing. Now, I understand with the submission process. Let's open it. Do all that noise on the <laughs> for the for the <laughs> listeners. Let's, Live uh, unboxing. Let's, let's open it and see if they have a manual. But it's like, if you don't do a manual, like, why not? Yep, there's no manual. Just a cartridge inside. Um, I'm not saying that every game should have a manual, but I'm saying every game should have a manual. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's just a missed opportunity. You have this whole beautiful collector's book in here and there's no manual inside. Like, I get it. There's a back and forth with Nintendo and getting it approved. Like, it is a bit of a pain. 
However, um, Strickland Lemon is not printed in the States, and there's no ESRB on the front of their car, of their case. Like, no ESRB, no Peggy, no nothing. So Yeah, they have nothing on theirs. So then there's no approval process, so release what you want and throw it in the cartridge. Like, at least do something. Like, do a four-page manual. Do a little... I've seen... um. There was one company that did, I think it was super rare, like during year one or two, where they had like a little two page book that literally only had you like opened it up, but at least they had something like, wow. I don't know. That's me being critical as another producer now at this point where it's like, and buying manuals for games that didn't have them that like Rowan makes and stuff. And like, man, now there's another game that's not going to have a manual. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Red Art does manuals, I know, and Super Rare, of course. Most do manuals. It's just they might be one of the only ones that doesn't do a manual. Honestly, it's so odd because um, the game, the, the games are classic, like Load Runner, the action puzzler. You know what I mean? Trapping your baddies inside holes as you walk over them to collect all the gold. It's a classic game series, classic game that. Literally, you could have pulled from a multitude of different manuals to pull inspiration, too. Like, I mean, I mentioned it on weeks past, but Super Blood Hockey, I use NES Ice Hockey as inspiration. And, ugh, weird stuff, though. <laughs> so, there is one actual news piece, um, which is a something that was launched that was interesting. Okay. I'm wondering um, if it's the same one I have pulled up. <laughs> so I'm talking about, because there's a lot of announcements, a lot of announcements. I'm not talking about the big announcements. I'm talking about Elliot Quest. Oh, yes. So I didn't even win the dollar challenge when I bought Elliot Quest for three cents. Nope. <laughs> and now it's a physical with shipping ends up being about $40 US dollars. Yep. And I'm like, it's cool. I have the game. It's awesome. But I got it for like three cents. Like, do I want to redo it and pay all of that and wait um, when I can already play it? And like, it's a really cool game, though. And the art on the box looks great. Oh, it's just yeah. like, it's one of those things now where it's like, it's preservation. I, I appreciate it. But like, we were getting criticized for super blood hockey when it was a $20 game and we're charging $40 like plus shipping. This is a three cent game when it was on sale. <laughs> no, when it was on sale, you got to look at the MSRP, but it's also, you know, I remember when you, when that was announced, I instantly thought of your dollar challenge, uh, mm -hmm. when you did that one. Uh, and that, that already came out on PS4 hard copy games did a PS4 yeah. release. So it already has a physical, so it is technically already preserved, just not the switch version. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still happy to see the switch version getting a physical. I think it's, yeah. that's still good. I think that's one of those things when you go in as a physical collector, you know that you are, especially the limited produced ones, you know, you're going to pay the upcharge to own it versus just that digital license. Yeah. And I think you, if you don't know that going in by now, newsflash you pay a little more for the physical um but i think owning it forever you know having it uh is but worth it i will say one thing barry that where we like are trying to change the landscape but we're still way too early in our company is oh, yeah. the multi-carts so like oh, I love with those. with the Pigeon Dev, we're taking four games that are smaller in nature, which is Awesome P1, 2, Bucket 9, Explosive Jake, put them on one cartridge. 
that at least gets you four games yep. by the same developer. With Elliot Quest, like I'm not sure if there was an opportunity. Um, but like that would have been perfect because if you have that plus three other amazing games that need to be preserved, then you're doing the value piece. And I mean, like there's a lot of effort, time, everything that we put in for a release run. That that's another thing where maybe I'm losing a little bit of scope is that like we don't cookie cutter anything or just copy paste stuff and throw it out. Like, and I'm not saying that they are at all. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, we're putting in a lot of time into each one of our releases to the point where we're like, man, like, we got to make sure that this stuff is is really cool and hits a home run every time. And well, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, uh, even with a multi-card. I mean, if, it, mm-hmm. if one publisher has four games out, but they're all developed by different people, you can't put them all together on the same card because there's all different developers that all want a piece of the pie. And that may be the case with Elliot Quest, the, you know, which is unfortunate. But when it can be done, and I think that was one of the biggest criticisms when Limited Run announced Blaster Master Zero, you know, one and two. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they on the same card? They fit. They easily fit on the card. Why Absolutely. are we buying two separate things? And they're right. And you look at games like uh, the Azura Striker Gun Vault games, you know, when they came out physically, mm-hmm. even back on the, the, the 3DS, they came out one and two on the same card. Same with the Switch, same with the PS4. I think people appreciate that more because you're getting more bang for your buck, even though they could be separate. They could have released those games separately. And it does take a little more negotiation, a little more time. And I think, sadly, maybe some companies just want to say, hey, you know what? It's quicker and easier to get out one game. People will pay 40 bucks for it. Then you add out the second game. People will pay another 40 bucks. We'll make more in the long run. People will buy it anyways because this is limited produced. Mm. And uh, you know what? They're not wrong. People will buy them. Uh, you, know what the, you know what the irony <laughs> is? Is that like, like I have the game, but I still will probably buy it just to support the developer because the developer is really cool. We've talked to the developer. Like we have. We've talked to a lot of developers, by the way, listeners. Um, but we talked to the developer. I really like what they do. And I'm probably going to buy it just to support them because the game is awesome. Um, value be had. Value be damned. Ah, my wife brought me a Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, I, I honestly have already pre-ordered it mm-hmm. when it went up. So I've already... Of course you have, it. Barry. You have a sickness. <laughs> and the only cure for this sickness is more games. No. More games. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so speaking of pre-orders, I got a long in, in Tundra... There's a big big word. Uh, But I got a long um, rabbit hole river that we could go down for for another news piece. Um, Sure. So there was a a thing, because I don't see a lot of news because I work a lot during the day, and I don't see a lot of releases. But um, there's been reports of Nintendo 64 games embedded in the code of 3D All-Stars, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, including Mm -hmm. Pokemon Snap, a bunch of other games. And everyone's like, oh, this is going to be, be a telltale thing about how what's going to be on the N64 online, right? And that's the predictions I'm seeing from the community. Um, I disagree. And this is interesting. Number one, this could be just people testing their own favorite games within the N64 emulator for yep. Super Mario 64 or whatever. But more importantly, something was announced this week that I think changes everything. Um, and that is Fire Emblem. Yeah. 
NES physical. Yeah, looks amazing that's... with the uh, crystal clear NES cartridge and all the retro aesthetics in an NES box with the damn license that I said I wanted to do on our NES boxes. <laughs> the seal of approval. So I already see that they've approved a seal of approval, Nintendo. So it's going to happen. Um, but that being said, they did that right. And it's a standalone digital release for a Nintendo Famicom game translated yep. into English. So it's not going, as far as I can see right now, on the NES Online app. I think in Japan it is part of the NES Online. It may be. But what I'm saying now is that with all of that, even those testing, unless it's it's going to be part of either a physical or a All-Stars release. So, for example, if they do the Zelda or the Metroid collections for the, the anniversaries next year, like we're predicting... That is a catalyst. And also, when you mentioned, when I mentioned earlier, like the Pokemon Snap, like they are doing a new Pokemon Snap, they may release a standalone couple dollar version of the 64 re release on the Switch. And this is a telling thing that if the Fire Emblem Falls School does well, and it will, um, then they're going to do more like this. Um, you know, you're not wrong. It's a prediction. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a chance they're going to go down that route. Mm -hmm. There's also the chance that they could be testing it to add N64 to the Switch Online and raise the price. Um, There's always that option. Then obviously there's always the N64 Mini Classic, whatever that has been rumored for years that they could be just testing the emulation for for that. Um, We don't know, and it's Nintendo. Uh, as for that Fire Emblem physical or the physical, that thing pisses me off. <laughs> I know it does. I wanted, to, I wanted you to get on your Barry soapbox. It's great. And that, first off, it, it's a. I don't mind the digital release. I don't mind that they're charging a little extra because they're going to look at oh, translating it fine, whatever. But there's, it's another limited fit digital release. I don't get this. This is the third limited digital release that they've announced. And the first one they announced, which was Jump Rope Challenge, they actually canceled. They said, nope, we're keeping it on there. So maybe they'll do the same with 3D have you, All-Stars. Have you played Jump Rope Challenge, Barry? I have not, but I downloaded it. <laughs> oh, my God. So I um I actually fired it up last weekend, and I did, like, the 100. And I was like, oh, so I was like, let me do another 100. Because I, I work out for my job and everything. So I run a few, t- few like, five miles a couple days a week and do a lot of workouts. And I was I was sweating after the, the 200. I went fast on the second 100, too. But it actually works perfect. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a a neat little program, and I'm glad it's free, and I'm glad it's not gone, so you can still download it. But the other thing is, if you're going to make a physical, and this is now the second physical item that Nintendo has put out with the digital release, the first being Mario Kart Live, which just came out. Um, (laughs) Which I did not buy. I did not either. This, And that's the reason why. This is to the point of ridiculousness you're doing this especially as an anniversary you're doing this to celebrate well don't give people a digital code to celebrate people who want who want this physical who want this physical uh nes box and nes card these fire emblem fans they want to own the game yeah they want to own this this is the equivalent of saying you want a car so badly we're going to give you the car but you're not going to get the engine. We're going to give you the shell, the wheels, everything, but we're not going to give you the engine. We're going to give you a voucher, hmm. 
that you get some money off of the engine, but no engine. How the you hell know, am I going to get the... You know what the irony <laughs> is, though, Barry, that... is that the smallest Switch card is 2 gigabytes, which could fit the entire NES library, plus all fan translations, all hacks, and all NES brand new aftermarket games, everything, and then still have a gig space left over. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that's the thing that's crazy, is that it would literally be a... A kilobyte game on a card, card, which is probably why they didn't do it. But it's still but, no reason not to do it. I don't. But it's know. a celebratory thing. This is simply to celebrate, and and they should have done a Fire Emblem collection. You're absolutely right, and uh, I hope they still do. Um, but there's no reason not to. Even when, even you know, the Nintendo of today is not the same as Nintendo of yesteryear. And I think that's something super important. And I was having a discussion with a friend about this. And Nintendo, as a whole, has always been clueless. They just really have, with a lot of things. And mm. if you look at Nintendo today, they do something like this. Foolish, stupid, it's going to sell out because they're producing limited numbers, and there's Nintendo, and people, you know, a lot of them are be scalpers and all that. Brouhaha. You look mm. at Nintendo of yesteryear. Look at Nintendo of the early 2000s. And there was a little game coming out. I don't know if you remember this or not. The game was called The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And, and in Japan, they decided to do a special pre-order bonus that if you pre-ordered the game in Japan, you got a bonus disc and a little envelope. And oh, that yeah. bonus disc contained Ocarina of Time and Majora's uh, then the Master Quest. Mm -hmm. That was the bonus disc. Well, thanks to the internet, still in its infancy, but thanks to the internet, Americans found out about this. And Americans said, what the hell? We want this too. Nintendo of Japan found out about this and stated we were unaware that Americans would want this. I mean, come on. We didn't know that Americans would even hear about this or be interested in this. Like, um, okay, it's a Zelda game for free. Who the wouldn't be interested in this, right? And what did Nintendo do? They gave it to us and they gave it to Europe in addition and they gave it to us in a nice, you know, GameCube clamshell. And, and it was oh, yeah. fantastic. They listened to the fans, and they gave it to us. Here, they don't care about the fans. Look at Operation Rainfall happened for a reason. They didn't care about their fans, and they still don't. They were going to do what they want. Fans be damned. And that is a problem. And, well, the and thing is, is that I don't know. I mean, Nintendo being out of touch sometimes, which Nintendo Japan typically isn't a... Is it being disputed because they do um, do a lot of what we call Nintendo things? They do, <laughs> um, but they are bringing a beautiful package over that completely hits Nintendo Retro. And I think it's not that they're out of touch. I think it's that they have a lot of younger employees that have the nostalgia. And they really don't care if there's a cartridge or not, the employees. The ones that are creating this, they probably like, yeah, most gamers aren't really going to care about the cartridge. Um, that's where they're a bit out of touch because in reality, we would like to have the cartridge because, number one, <coughs> Nintendo still hasn't figured out the cross-switch thing. It's not perfect. So yeah. if I download this card and you get a one-time use download card inside of the um, inside of the case or the game or whatever, and then I try to play it in my other Switch, it becomes a bit of a, a pain because you got to re-download it on the same account, make sure it's primary, all this stuff, where it's not just like a, an easy thing. Whereas if it was a card, a cartridge, I just pop in the cartridge and I can play it on the other Switch. Exactly. That's and my that, main thing, having now multiple switches in my household. 
um, it's been problematic because if my daughter wants to play Pokemon Shield on the Switch kiosk that I have, I literally have to figure out a way to transfer her save um, over, which I, it's one of the games that doesn't work with the Switch on the Switch uh, Cloud save perfectly right. um, in order for her to play it on the kiosk because she has it on her Switch Lite, which she can't just pop into the base. So it's a problematic thing where it's not perfect, but if you had it on a, a cartridge, at least we could play it because she doesn't with with that one. She doesn't want to restart her save. Whereas That's understandable. Yeah. I mean, she has 60 hours in the game. <laughs> um, not saying that that would not still be an issue with Fire Emblem with the save thing, but I think it has to do with the size. It's such a tiny game that. Maybe it's just they feel like they'd be criticized by putting a kilobyte game on a two gigabyte card. Or Nintendo could have just released a smaller capacity card or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, another thing that oh yeah, I get that, like it's a small thing, it's a small game. But when you're you're doing this, this package is specifically for to honor Fire Emblem fans. I mean, this is not gonna be like something that's gonna be sitting on the retail shelf. You know, this isn't gonna be a standard release. This is a collector's item. And collectors are the ones that specifically that care about having physical. So mm-hmm. you're 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 literally tailoring to one audience in the collectible market by giving them exactly what they don't want. <laughs> I find that hilarious. That's, that's weird. That's, that's, it's that's, weird and odd. And I mean, I haven't been able to buy it yet just because I haven't found it on the site um, for sale. But I'll eventually get a copy because, again, all this stuff that's quote-unquote limited isn't really limited. Um, ironically, we saw a lot of criticism from one company by sending a super fan that, or somebody that they're a super fan of, like a musician, a ton of games, and they saw a lot of criticism over the community for that. Which, So, I mean, but all this stuff is quote-unquote out of print, yet they have plenty of copies to send to people. So it's not... Like, anything that's super rare out of print, it's not like you couldn't find it. Um, And being a retro collector, I don't mind the hunt. So if I don't have everything day one, um, I'll get everything that I'll want eventually. Um, Not saying that I'm not going to have to overpay if I didn't... Like, if I bought it now versus later, later I may have to overpay. I'm not going to say I won't have to overpay on some games. Um... But that's part of the game is that like I don't have the two one to two thousand dollars every week to pre-order everything I want. Um, that's not everything. That's everything I want. <laughs> There's so but much the elite- stuff coming out. Oh, tell me about it. The 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 thing there though is at least you can when you have a physical goods, even a limited physical goods, mm-hmm. even the stupid limited physical goods. Talking about the Switch, let's say Bayonetta one physical, stupid limited physical goods. You can still at least buy it. It's going to cost yeah. you. But you can still at least buy it. This, you can't. It's going to be digital only. When the digital ends, if it ends, the only way to buy it is buying a Switch with it on. And then you're going to have to stay signed into that person's Nintendo account. Hmm. And it's going to be like the Flappy Bird cell phone bullcrap all over again. There is a difference, Barry. There is a difference. This is an NES game. And I can still play it as a ROM. On my NES oh, yeah. with an EverDrive or on the computer oh, no, emulator. That will ban it a one. That. You can still play either digitally or on the Xbox. Yeah. Or, or and that's where all of our hackers and all of our fun, 
family community that we have um, that are out there, um, that's where I do see a lot of merit in in the preservation piece of online ROM preservation. And so where it doesn't, it's not as bad as it could be if they did it with a Switch exclusive (laughs) game. Um, Here's the thing though. There's gonna be switch ROMs in the future. I wouldn't do. I, I would not want anybody to do anything with any kind of emulation for the Switch until after the heyday of the Switch and after all the developers are taken care of, of course. Yes. Um, however, in the future, there will be emulation because everything is emulated. This is one of the most popular consoles um, in the last ten years, if not ever. Um, I think I read it's like 22 months straight. It's been the number one console sold. Exactly. And so there is no way there's not going to be a fan community for this in the future that's going to uphold preservation online as well. So it's not as bad as it could be. However, I want to still see everything with cartridge. I still want to see all the games get out there and be able to be part of one. That's why we're going to be, you know, continually to release our own games, too, because, again, it's a part of what we love about it. Um, Fire Emblem's a weird one. I still think that they're dropping the ball by not putting a cartridge out. Um, They could have literally put a cartridge out and put every damn Fire Emblem game on it for all consoles. Yeah. Like, why not? There you go. All-Stars. Fire Emblem All-Stars. All the retro ones. Toss it on there. Like, then you just do Fire Emblem 1 as the the physical stuff. Especially because right now... Your 2020 is such a tough year, and you can tell it's hit Nintendo uh, in a lot of ways. They could take their old games, like 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 3D All Stars, and and put it onto a Switch card and release it to fill that gap, and it will sell. 3D All Stars is proof that it will sell. And if they did a Fire Emblem collection, if they say, "Hey, here we are. We're gonna you know do the the early Fire Emblem games, the ones that never came over," even if they stopped. You know, like GameCube, Path of Radiance, or they, they did manage to get the Wii, you know, one on there. And they said, we're not going to do the, the, the DS, the 3DS ones, because the dual screens, we're going to save those another time. I think people will be ecstatic, and I think that would that would move. People love collections. People love multi-card. They do. They do. Um, I mean... It's it's there's a lot of stuff and we can we're we're basically armchair quarterbacking now, which is great. That's what yeah. we do. Um, <laughs> however, like I still think it's great that they're doing something. Um, I honestly, I the only reason why I may not buy it is because I just don't like the original Fire Emblem games. I didn't like it until they started to, to create a casual mode because of, yes. I'm not real good at strategy or more so don't have the time to get good, <clears throat> and that's it. Like you got to put in a lot of time and effort into the strategy, into being able to ta- tactically take those games on. So I, I, I may or I'm may not the, buy it. I mean, we'll see. I haven't decided. I, I don't yet. like the permadeath thing. No, and you get invested in stuff, and then all of a sudden your characters are gone, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But you did leave leave this open to a segue. We had a, a topic of the episode, and because we're going to talk about our game of the episode, which was recommended by a. Um, a listener with a voice. Um, however, we had a topic of the episode that we were going to go over. And yes. you mentioned the 3DS and the DS. Mm. Yes. So, oh. with the twilight of the Nintendo 3DS and it being finally going into Eclipse soon, um, I asked Barry and JP 
uh, what games do you think would be cool to see ported over that were 3DS exclusives that we haven't really seen elsewhere? JP then somehow said that he never collected for the 3DS. And we're like, what? Never even seen, like, played the 3DS. And I'm like... Literally, the reason why he collects for the Switch is because he loves the cartridges. Like, there definitely are cartridges for the 3DS. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I think it would be cool for each of us to tell our history with the, the console, like when, like when we first got it. Not, like, the history of the thing, but, like, our history <laughs> with it. Um, how it went with us, and then after that, then we can talk about some games. Um, so, like, I got it on launch. Um, I got the black 3DS, the original one, the tiny one. And got it with, I think it was Orcarina Time 3D. That did was, not come out at launch. Yeah, I don't... What what came out on launch? From Nintendo, Steel Diver, Nintendogs and Cats, Pilot Wings Resort. I got Pilot yeah. Wings Resort. Yep, that's what it was. Um, because it was such a poor seller that they eventually, like, I don't know if they dropped the price or did mm-hmm. something with it. $70. And I got the... I got the Ambassador badge and got the free uh, Game Boy Advance games and everything with mine, um, which was cool because I got some fun little little treats to play. But um, I, as I played through and I got, like, as the 3DS went on, they did the most Nintendo thing, which is release a XL and then a new 3DS and a new 3DS XL and did a lot of different themed versions. So I, throughout the years, picked up the 3DS... XL Legend of Zelda version, the Link Between Worlds version, and then when the new 3DS came out, I ended up getting the Majora's Mask new 3DS XL. Um, I didn't really care for the 3D on the originals because, like, I I didn't like that you had to keep it like right in front of your face at a certain degree in order to maximize the 3D on it. But with the new 3DS, it actually had eye tracking and everything, and it worked real well. Um, Again, though, didn't use it too often, um, but really did enjoy it. I bought some games over the years, but I quickly stopped purchasing like tons of games for it just because interest waning and all that. Um, I did end up buying the last Metroid in captivity. No, the, uh, the, the Samus, Samus Returns. And that was the only game I bought near the end of the lifespan and then that was the last thing that I got for the the new 3ds, but not a not a ton of um like I didn't go down the rabbit hole because like there wasn't a lot of t- I didn't have a ton of collectability or urge to play tons of games even though the games that were coming out were awesome. It was just really weird. It's really weird how the Switch is different. Um, and I was even commuting at the time downtown to DC on a train, and I would bring my 3DS and play like some of the retro games. And Legend of Zelda: Link Between Worlds is one of my favorite games of all time. So obviously, that would probably might be a pick for me later when we talk. But um, that that's a little bit about my experience with it. Like very very short and concise. Um, but I did have it from launch. Bought some games didn't really connect with me as much because there was a lot of lulls in between where stuff was getting wasn't getting released or games that were getting released were like really high big third party games with a limited switch or limited switch limited 3DS version and I was going with Wii U at the time so really interesting really interesting system um yeah what about you bear um, so yeah, I also got the 3DS at launch. In fact, I got two. 
um, because it came out in March, the end of March, and my wife's birthday was the end of March. So I'm like, oh, what a better way than to get her a 3DS for her birthday. So I got one for myself and one for her. So I got the black one at launch. I got her the blue one at launch. And uh, we got four games. We got Paddle Wings Resort. We got Street Fighter 4 3D. We got Super Monkey Ball 3D. And we got Ridge Racer 3D. Huh. And we enjoyed it. We were amazed by the 3D at first. And then, of course, you know, as it waned on, we stopped really using it. But I had no problem with the launch library. I really enjoyed Pilot Wings Resort and Monkey Ball and Street Fighter. And my wife loved Ridge Racer. And for us, the biggest thing was Street Pass. We were taken oh. aback. Every freaking oh. day, we were getting the, the steps for the coins, for the puzzle pieces. And there was actually a local group. It was, it was funny. It was a local group that put together like a 3DS meetup to try and do like street pass and play some games together. So we're like, my wife found it like on blind. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we go and it's like all kids and us. <laughs> it was like we were the only adults nah. there, other parents for the kids. And it was like, oh, this isn't awkward at all. But we, we you know, we played video games with the kids and we Dude. street passed and traded puzzle pieces and didn't you know, find me. Street pass broke me, right? That actually was one of the last things that broke me on playing 3DS. So, like, I was playing it, and then I took it with me to Midwest Gaming Classic one year to the convention. Like, literally couldn't enjoy the convention because I got so many... Like, you would immediately fill up your street pass and then have to go through and do everything. And then I would go back into the street pass, and it would immediately street pass and fill up, like, completely maxed out in seconds every time. Yeah, like, yeah. Like it was because of the convention, everybody had their 3ds's, yeah, and yeah. it like it broke me to the point where I'm like, well, it's never gonna be this good again. Okay, I'm done, and I stopped. <laughs> and I was like, uh, see, but see, street, because we live in a metro so area, cool. we would go like to the malls and bring our 3ds, and like when they had like special like Nintendo days, we would go to like Ampercombe and Finch and just sit there. And when people are like, can we help you? Like, no. And we're sitting there, we're opening up our 3ds, doing Street Pass, and McDonald's <laughs> used to have those kind of things too. And uh, we both loved it. Uh, obviously, you know, the Staples, Mario 3D Land, and, and Ocarina of Time coming out, and Mario Kart 7 uh, certainly helped uh, keep the game afloat. And I remember being confused why games like Pokemon Black 2 and White 2 and Pokemon Conquest were on DS instead of 3DS. Uh, but I loved that system. There are so many great games that we'll go over in a bit that just really resonate with me. But like you said, the conventions were awesome to me because mm -hmm. doing like new york comic-con not only was there tons of street pass so when you're sitting in a panel waiting for it to start going through them or, or at lunch going through them but also waiting in line to get into panels we had like smash brother fights with like random people who everyone in line just get so together cool. let's do smash brothers fights and it worked it was great it was a great way to pass the time and just have some fun uh it was it was the console that no matter what people brought with them like, it was weird. Like, the Vita tried it, and people didn't bring it. People stopped bringing it. I don't think many people even bring the Switch out in the public. But the 3DS, everyone had. Everyone just took it with them. It was, like, instinctively. You would, And it was that was half the fun. You would go out for and a I day. I think the Street Pass helped that because it, if you 100%. brought it out, you get your Street Pass stuff. Yep. And, like, it really was the predecessor to what they now do with Pokemon Go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But it was so much fun going out for a day, doing your things, and then getting home and pulling out your 3DS and seeing that blue light. 
I'm like, oh, or the green light. Like, oh, yes, I got somebody. And who who'd you get? How did you get? You know, and meeting people from the different states and and different countries even, and filling mm-hmm. out the puzzles and doing find me. And then those bonus games they added. I I bought the bonus games that were digital only, but just the more street pass games like the slot car and the fishing and the baking. And I thoroughly thought street pass was amazing. And the a lot of the freebies. Um, I was addicted to Pokemon Shuffle. I got addicted to, and there's Pokemon Cross. I got addicted to. Um, just they did so much with it. And I'm the, so the, surprised that Nintendo hasn't done anything with Street Pass for the Switch. Yeah, I know, and it's a shame. And then there were games that even used Street Pass, like Smash Brothers had a little Street Pass thing, and the Kirby game had one of them. And like I loved that when games actually incorporated Street Pass into the actual game. Uh, in addition to the street, pla- uh, you know, the street plaza and all that stuff, um, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, ambassador, all that jazz. I did upgrade, ironically, to the exact same XL as you did, the Link Between Worlds. My wife mm-hmm. got it for me for Christmas. I got her the Yoshi XL. Then for the new 3DS, I also got the Majora's Mask. Except I never actually opened mine because it it shot up in value, and I was like, no, I really want to. So I actually played the XL, my my Link Between Worlds. That's still my 3DS. It's still the one I'm playing. I never actually did. You know jump what's in. weird is my wife bought something on Wish, which Wish.com. You can get a bunch of like Chinese stuff or whatever it is, like bootleg stuff. But she bought a. It was like a 3DS or D. It was a DS card that said it worked in everything. And it was weird because Barry sent me a message, you did, sent me a message about um, Retro Game Master 2, um, which was basically some fans took an English translated version from a community release ROM of Game Center CX, Chosen Dosetsu 2, or whatever. I definitely messed up the last part. Um, But it's a basically Retro Game Challenge is a mini game retro collection based off of Game Center CX, a TV show, one of my favorite shows in Japan with Arena, who plays games terribly well the games recreate brand new retro experiences from original creators and the second one incorporated super nintendo graphics game boy because the first one was mainly famicom um and nintendo and had some redos but anyways that one only works in certain models of the ds um mm. the one that that you sent me that from that creator and every i already have a copy of it that i got many years ago that probably the same one honestly maybe not the same person but this one like literally whatever this ace card was that we got from wish works perfectly in my majora's mask 3ds and i can put the rom of that of game of retro game master 2 on there that's awesome and so it works perfectly and i'm like oh now i can play it without having to bust out a, a regular <laughs> ds xl that i have um well that's, and, and honestly the ds xl that i have isn't compatible with that game it's only a different cool. version so i'm like oh well this ace card works with everything like i'm good well well that's one of the strengths of the 3ds is that it, it is backwards compatible with the ds and that mm-hmm. is huge and unlike you you know i found so many games for the 3ds that i loved and one of the things i i did enjoy going to like was gamestop when they did like buy two get one freeze because a lot of times you would find like four or five dollar 3ds games and a lot of them i'd never heard of before and i'm like oh here they are cib for five bucks and i get a couple of them plus you know the, See, the rewards you would find cib every time i go there they'd be just card on card only well, I'm not in the areas recently i'm talking like you know me too. four years ago me too and it, like some reason all the game stops everywhere i lived or was in 
all throughout the damn boxes. And I was like, no, I'm not buying them every time. And I'm not a dumpster diver. So I'm not going to go looking in the dumpsters to find all the boxes they're throwing out. Cause that's what they do. Oh yeah. And I'm like, ugh, like, it's just gross. I'm like, I'm not going there to, I'm not going to buy those. And so I really didn't do any aftermarket with the 3ds because of that. That sucks. See, we, we have CIB here. I found CIB and I found a lot of like games, like these are weird. I never even seen these before. So I wound up mm-hmm. picking them up. And before I knew it, just from doing that over the course of like a year or two, and plus my regular purchases that I wanted to play, because I did play a lot in the 3DS, I, I found myself like 80 away from the full set or wow. so. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I went. I said, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm full setting it. And uh, I did in 2018. I, I finished the set and I've kept it up uh, as of now. Uh, we only and, see and a few coming out now with the Atui being the last one, right? The Atui is the only one technically I don't have right now because I got the collector's edition because I wanted mm-hmm. the alternate covers, and that hasn't shipped yet. Yeah. Um, only the, the standard. the last release so far. So far. Uh, so when that comes, it'll be 100% complete. Ironically, like, we're approved to release 3DS games, and they're still in production, so... I mean, we could do anything on 3DS. <laughs> well, you know, there's some some digital only titles. You know, probably would be cool on the 3DS. Uh, uh-huh. Getting physical, there's but a lot. the 3DS was just it, it was an awesome system. Uh, unfortunately, it had to follow the DS, and it was no way it was going to meet the DS's numbers. The DS was just astronomically amazing uh, in terms of sales, but. While it didn't beat the PSP, it destroyed the Vita, and it did very well for itself in the seventy million range, um, and that's not not bad at all. No, um, nothing to shake a stick at, and it it really was an awesome system. And if you if you get one today, getting access to the entire DS library plus the entire 3DS library, you're getting one hell of a system. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely bang for your buck with the libraries, and. I mean, it's just going to be cool to to pick up games super cheap over the years. Um, but I'm not, I didn't do, obviously I don't do full sets, but like I didn't even really get all the games I know I'd be interested in just because I didn't really play it too often. And like I'm sticking straight with the Switch, but that's where it becomes the good segue of what 3DS games would we like to see on the Switch? Um, besides for Legend of Zelda, Link Between Worlds, because I already mentioned it, like that needs to come. Um, let's hope next year that's one of the games that's on the Zelda 3D All-Stars or Zelda All-Stars uh, cartridge that comes out, because it will. And that needs to be one of those on there. You want to alternate or how you want to do this? Um, yeah, let's, so so I'll let you go first since I already went. Like I already, when I was talking about my story, I mentioned huh? Link Between well, the Worlds, first, the first Link Between one Worlds is awesome, though, because it's agreed. Oh, agreed. Linked, like literally, it's what uh, Link's Awakening for the Switch was. Was they were making Link to the Past on 3DS, and then there, then I, I think it was Miyamoto just ended up wanting new stuff in it, and then they ended up turning it into its holistically all new game with the original map, um, which yep. gets criticism from people who don't like that. And I'm like, ah, I think it's familiar yet new and all the dungeons are redesigned. Plus and... you get low rule. Low rule is all different. Yeah. Well, low rule, like the dark world is very similar, but yeah. it's still amazing. I, I have such a nostalgia for Link to the Past that I really do want to play that properly on a big screen because you can play with emulation, but it's not proper. Yeah. 
because emulation, when it comes to these two screen systems, has issues where it's number one, it's not going to be on your full screen, doesn't look great on full screen, or if you're doing both screens, you have to do them side by side. And if it's one of those that used both screens like on at the same time, they mm -hmm. made it with the 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 box in between, uh, the block in between, the hinge. With that in mind, when they did all the art, so usually the screens are like stacked on top of each other in the emulator, so it just doesn't look right artistically. Um, so I mean, it's I want to see it properly, and that's the main thing behind me wanting stuff on the Switch is I want to see it done the right way, um, and then they'd have to do a picture in picture or something for most of these. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right, so my first one I'm going to pick is a two pack. Um, absolutely, hands down, would love to see come over, and it would would be very warranted since the third game is coming to the Switch already, and that would be the Bravely Default, Bravely Second mm. combo. Those games okay. are amazing. Some of the best RPGs on the system, and fantastic need to be played. And since they're doing Bravely Default two, maybe if they re-release you know, the first two games, we'll get a proper Bravely Third. But I think those two on the Switch would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome, and that would be really cool. I I definitely played the first Bravely Default um, a bit, but I couldn't quite get into it, and that was the, the irony. And it's just because I think it was just when I was playing it, because, again, like working and everything didn't have tons and tons of time, unfortunately. Totally understandable. Yeah. Um. So I'm yeah. also going to be choosing things like, and Bravely Default fits into this, by the way. Um, but like games that would be realistic. So I'm not going to say like Mario Kart Seven or stuff like that. That or Smash, because like those yeah. we're already given. We have eight. We have Smash. Um, yeah. But another one that I really want to see, which was a close to release window, would be Kid Icarus Uprising. Oh yes. Oh. And that was one of those that I played. It came with the little grippy thing. I think it was like a little grippy stand, standy thing that you're supposed to use for it. But I think that one would be amazing because it didn't really overutilize the double screen too <coughs> much to where it would still be great in HD. Um, and I think that some of these games too um, could be, if they used it a lot, you could do the whole thing kind of like Downwell that we covered in a Barry and Jeff episode where mm -hmm. you turn it sideways. Yes. So, like, could be used in that capacity. Um, considering it came with a tchotchke, <laughs> like, they could do a flip grip with it or something, right? So, like, Absolutely. And then flip grip comes with it. You got two screens. You do them side by side. You could still do the 3DS games. But I think Kid Icarus Uprising is kind of a... An underrated game in a franchise that completely deviated from the franchise um that was really fun and turned it more into a sin and punishment style panzer dragoon style game i couldn't agree more that 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 one definitely needs a second life mm -hmm. um all right so mine isn't going to be a ne next one's not necessarily a 3ds or ds exclusive mm -hmm. but they did appear on the, the 3ds and ds in fact it originated on the ds and that would be the Zero Escape trilogy. They did get PS4 Vita ports, so it would be as simple as pretty much porting the the, uh, the PS4 versions over to the Switch, um, so you don't have to worry about the dual screen. But the Zero Escape games, 999 was on the DS, and uh, Virtual Last Reward and Zero Time Dilemma were 3DS games. 
and all fantastic visual novel escape room games. Just an amazing mind-bending story. If you haven't played them, I can't recommend them enough. And while they are in other systems, I do think they would fit very well on the Switch. Uh, other visual novels have made their their way to the Switch, uh, even from like the Vita. So I'm I don't don't know why they haven't done it yet, but I definitely think that they would be fantastic to bring to the Switch. Awesome. So um, obviously, I'll I'll do a gimme this one. <laughs> let's see um we absolutely need to see uh metroid samus returns come <laughs> i mean and again like i mentioned with link between worlds like we need to see it as part of a a, a samus or metroid all-stars collection next year um it would be amazing to see and that game was awesome it was like the last big 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 game released first party for sure for the Nintendo, that was like everybody had to get it. So I think there were a few games after that, but there wasn't any yes. that like hit that big of a a wave like Metroid did. Because I mean, I went and that was a day one buy for me, and I hadn't bought a 3DS game in years at that point. And I was like, "Yep, gotta go buy that." Bust out, dust off my 3DS, had to dust it off and everything, and like ended up playing it again. And I played the hell out of that. And original Metroid Two, I had on the original Game Boy when it came out. Like it was like Christmas gift or birthday gift, so it was great going back in and um, to was SR three eighty eight I think and like I remember weird things and <laughs> and like loved the different changes they did and I do like that I had the um, the the fan version of Metroid two as well that I have that was for the PC. Mm -hmm. um my buddy actually made a physical version that's awesome of that because that was one of those that nintendo ganked at the time they were like crushing all the souls of all the fan creators at the point am2r i think it was yeah am2r another metroid remake (laughs) another metroid 2 remake or whatever but it was that one's like perfect like super metroid and like if they did metroid zero mission am2r samus returns is fine Super Metroid and Fusion all on one All Stars that like two D All Stars that would be amazing. I think that's the main reason they nixed that is because they had Samus Returns ready to come out. Yeah, and just imagine if they could had if we could see all those. I mean, in reality, I wish Nintendo would do more of the Sega thing, which is like, oh, you got all these fan crackers. Well, okay, let's hire you, Sonic Mania. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, hire them and put them to work because they're literally hitting nostalgia out of the park with AM2R. Like, let's do it. And instead, they did a cease and desist, and it causes animosity. It's like, oh man, you're losing developers, you're losing potential talent. Yeah, that's that's sad. Nintendo. It's Sometimes sad. they're not the brightest bunch. But let's see, <clears throat> let's see Metroid come. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I would love to see Samus Returns or more Metroid for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with another one, that, another late release. In fact, later release than Metroid Samus Returns. Uh, this was originally a DS game that got uh, an enhanced remake port to the 3DS, and I'd love to see it find its way on Switch because it is an amazing, truly amazing RPG that harkens back to the Super Nintendo days and... I don't think enough people have played it, which is sad, and that is Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. This game is a gem. Action RPG, 
very reminiscent of Chrono Trigger, has branching paths on, on a timeline that you could jump between, which obviously different actions create new branches. There's a ton to this until you find the, the true uh, course of the story. Great characters. Um, it's just just goes on and on and and different parts of the story you're gonna have different characters in your party so you have to plan accordingly it's just excellent it is an absolute excellent gem that was underrated on the ds so they brought it out in the 3ds but it came out again at the very end i think it was a 2018 release Mm -hmm. um so it was very very end of the 3ds live and i don't think it got enough attention interesting so I'm only going to go with one more in the the essence of time. Um, and it's going to be a, a cheat, um, kind of like choosing multiple games. Um, but I'm going to say let's see Miitopia slash all of the Street Pass games get a physical. Uh, like, why not throw in Tamadachi Life there, too? Yeah, like let's get all of that and call it the, the Street Pass collection and let's add that functionality to the switches, so we can start seeing people with switches everywhere, and we can start doing meetups, like for real. That would be really cool. That would be amazing. And like I you like- mentioned it earlier, like why aren't they doing? Like why aren't they? Like I get it. This the the 3ds probably had something in there that had that little connectivity nuance that's probably not in the switches. Um, I'm saying probably because it could be. But there's Bluetooth. There's other things, other ways they could get around it to do the street pass. Um. I think that would be amazing, and it would allow us to replay all of those awesome 3DS games, doing the puzzle collection, seeing all the Nintendo art. That was really fun, playing all the different games. Metopia was like uh, the, I, I always called it like an Animal Crossing version of, of uh, Switch Pass, of 3DS Pass. Yeah. Like, all hail the virtual boy. Yeah. I mean, hail. <laughs> ah, but that would be it, one. so... I know you probably had more than just one more game left, so we'll have you do a, like, honorable mentions after your next game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I was I was leaving you. You were you were definitely going first party, so I was going more third party. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a little difference in the I mean, because we could do things like all of the, the Kirby games or yeah. all of the Pokemon games, because all of those, the Yokai watches, like, those yeah. are, that's a whole series that started with 3DS that was awesome and still going strong. Um, well, I definitely think that the Kirby, Planet Robobot, and Triple Deluxe are, are super honorable mentions for sure. Yeah, and it's like first party. Those are yeah. those are easy. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we need to see all of those things. We probably won't, um, yeah. but we would like to. I want Another all, first party uh, honorable mention, I would say, is probably the WarioWare, the top 100. Yeah. Um, just because we don't have a WarioWare yet. But for my last it's pick, It's true that party, we don't. We don't? Yeah, it's true that we don't on the Switch. Like, why? It'd be perfect for it. But yeah. my last pick is going to be also kind of a cheat. Uh, it's another. It's a collection, kind of like you did, because there is a series that started on the DS and moved over to the 3DS and even had DS games remade, and you could play them all on the 3DS except for one. You could, that's still only on the DS, and that would be the Etrian Odyssey series. Ooh. They remade the first two on the 3DS. Three is still exclusive DS. Then there's four, there's five, there's Nexus, and even a spinoff Mystery Dungeon. Um, there was a lot of Etrian Odyssey on the 3DS. I always remember seeing the, the big cardboard boxes at GameStop every time I'd go in for oh. Etrian Odyssey games, like especially like 4. I used to always see yes. 4. 4 was 
four was one of my game of the years um, when that, that came out. It was so good. Um, the whole series is good. And the way the series works is it is a first-person RPG where you actually pick your party, you hire people, you pick the jobs. There's a ton of different RPG-stable classes. And then when you go in to the dungeons, there it's it's you know first person type battles where you know it's it's turn based, but you just you don't see your actual party members, you just see the the names on the bottom. But the dungeons themselves don't give you a map. You are the 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 map maker. Pretty much on the bottom screen, you have to draw the map as you go in, and you go in as far as you can and back out. So if you don't want to take any map you know, say, screw it, I just want to go in blind, you go in blind, you may not be able to find your way out before you die. And by actually taking the time to draw the map, which was such a unique concept, it allowed for some really cool, you know, crazy dungeons. And then you actually drew the map. And then when you go back to it later on, you're like, oh, I know exactly where to go. Or, oh, I see someplace I never actually finished the map. Let me go over here. It, and it had a great story on top of it. All of them did. And you know, it's with a, the touchscreen, they could replicate that on the Switch. Like if you if you had like a toggle to put the map on and off, like a button that you would toggle, so go like to the other screen because unless you use the foot grip and turn it sideways, if you wanted full screen switch, like boom, there it is. Now playing it on, you know, screen would be tougher. Um, Never would be cool to draw with an analog stick, but like playing in handheld mode might be cool to to have a little toggle and be able to draw on the screen. but it would have to, it would it would still not be perfect one to one. No, it wouldn't be perfect. But they could make it work somehow. And unfortunately, I think because the 3DS is dead, the series might be dead. I don't know if they're going to continue it. And again, this is another last release, like Nexus, which was the last one to mm-hmm. come out. That came out, I believe. If it wasn't 2019, it was also a 2018 game. It was a really, really late, and Etrian Odyssey 4 was was there towards the beginning, and like almost every year was another Etrian Odyssey game for the entire length of the 3DS's life. Um, and it's a shame because it's the games are fantastic. And again, if you like RPGs and you like the old school style RPGs, um, they're very much worth a try. And if the 3DS lasted a little longer, we might have had a remake of three um, to go with it to have the whole series technically there but because the 3ds is you know backwards compatible you can still get three in english on the ds hmm yes that's a good uh good little collection there of games that would be awesome to see on the switch um don't see uh, a lot of all of our games coming out just from the fact that i don't think it's super easy to port um i mean if they did flip grip it'd be possible with third-party stuff um a lot of indie stuff that could come over digitally would be great, um, but a lot of stuff already has. <laughs> that's so, true. So that's a you know the all hail the the 3ds. It was an interesting console that lasted a long time. Um, definitely had its ups and downs. I lost interest real fast, whereas the Switch has maintained my interest so the whole time. And yeah, it was 2011 to 2019 was the last game, so yeah, eight years. Yeah, eight years is a long time, man. Like that's crazy. Nah, see, I it never, I never lost interest in it, and I think that's because I, I really enjoy doing portable gaming at night, and I do, you know, like console gaming during the day. So mm-hmm. during that era the 3ds and then the vita and then the ds and the psp beforehand were my staples to play at night 
so they were great. And like now, I spend that time with like Dragalia Lost and Mario Kart Tour on the phone instead, <laughs> uh, which is which is why my Switch really never leaves the dock. It stays there. Yeah, you know, and I just play it as a home console, and it's I love portable gaming for that very reason. Um, just because it gives you some way to unwind and some and sometimes these unique experiences that you can't get elsewhere, and some you know lets the developers really you know shine and go crazy and go wild and got some really great titles and there's so many more on the 3ds this isn't even touching the surface mm-hmm. and you know nintendo's own stuff you know 3d land you could do you you could do pilot wings resort i loved uh personally pilot wings resort was awesome you know and and there's so many so many series fire emblem we mentioned fire emblem before the fire emblem games and the 3ds are, are all heralded Person great. without permadeath yeah, and uh, Triforce Heroes for, for Zelda. Oh, no, I didn't like that one at oh, all. Oh, I like that. Freaking like trolls. That. Yeah, see, I could get on a damn soapbox about Triforce Heroes. Like, <laughs> I like the game, but by the time I would play, there would be somebody that's going through the level their second or third time, and they would just take their time to pick me up and throw me in lava or throw me off, and then it was just frustrating every time. There would always be a jerk on there. And if everybody played it seriously, the game's amazing. It's really fun. But I never would get a solid experience, and I'd always have somebody that was a jerk. And you couldn't like just play with friends. Um, no, I actually had to go over to a friend's house, and me, him, yeah. and his brother, we played and we beat the game like in a couple sittings. That would because be it was a big game. That but would that be was awesome. The way that would be <laughs> that. That this is the way right there. Like <laughs> I did a quote. Um, we probably should talk about the game of the episode, though. Yes, yes, which was awesome because it was suggested. Speaking of, before we do that quickly, the same person that suggested it made a mention to me, actually on the uh, live on the Nintendo Fuse podcast, saying that he left a message via Anchor for me and wondered if you had played it for me. And I said, no, you did not. This is the same one, I think. So, oh, I don't know. He said he left, specifically left a message for, he said for me. Did he yeah. did, Jeff play it and I said no <laughs> yeah I didn't hear any message he's like ah Jeff well I will say that there's only been one message and I'm gonna see if I can play it here yeah because we only got one it says for Barry I'll see and this is literally the one and this is the game that we're we're playing let's see if I can play it hello this is my message because Barry so politely asked for it. Uh, it's like 10 o'clock here, so I still have like three more hours of work, but the playcast certainly got me through the first half of the shift pretty well. I am currently playing a lot of Runner 3. I'm finishing it up right now. It would be really cool if you guys did an episode of that game because it is so, so good and really not talked about much. In fact, half the game is actually a retro game, and the other half is a super, super fun and difficult auto runner. It is part of the Nicolas title, so Jeff, you might have interest in playing that. And I'm really excited that you have the kiosk, and I hope that we get some opinions on docked mode. <laughs> so that was Jesse Glenn, um, one of the yes. Switch Core members, and he's left voices mails or voice messages before 
Um, so yeah, that was the message, okay. and this is why we had the game of the episode, which is Runner Three. Runner Three, <laughs> which is a classic, and I absolutely have some stories and some some good uh, good experiences with Runner Three with the sausage Santa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a rhythm, rhythm platformer developed by Choice Provisions. Um, it's a sequel. It's part of the Bit Trip series, but it's a sequel to Runner Two: Future Legend. Um, and stars the commander video character, which is like a little black character that just runs. Um, interestingly, the core levels, you just run auto run forward. And as you collect things, uh, it goes and hits to the background music, which is really, really fun. I'm not going to go too far into that. Um, but it's release for Nintendo switch was in May 22nd, 2018. So... An interesting one to come out in early in the Switch's lifespan. Um, so this is one where I mentioned it in the group. Didn't men- I mentioned that we had a, a message, which we played, and that we need to play the game. Um, JP did say he played it, which I don't believe, but <laughs> <laughs> he did uh, mention uh, when I was we were doing our weekly business call that he had to open the game. Because <laughs> we do ours on Monday, our weekly call or whatever, to talk about production and things. And he said, oh, yeah, I could open it. And I'm like, well, open it. It's an amazing game. Like, Because I already played it on Sunday by that point. Um, I did not play this at all in handheld mode this time. I played it only in the Switch kiosk. And this is where I learned something really cool. Um, my daughter has not been getting the classic Nintendo experience that I used to get of watching people play because I've been playing my switch in handheld mode so much. Mm-hmm. Um, she's only been doing her own thing and not really, she's not watching over my shoulder as I play games. So when I started playing runner three, she was in here playing, she's still playing Pokemon and she was doing her thing. And then she looked up and she would watch me play and, and enjoyed the music. And she kept, kept on going sausage, a Santa <laughs> and all that craziness. And then she's like, let me play. And so I let her play like the first level and she was going through and getting a little frustrated when she would die. And, but then I told her, I was like, well, you get to keep playing until you get through it. And then eventually she's, she's, she really liked it and went through the second level and did a little bit better. And then the next day uh, she wanted to play runner three again. And then she played through and was like getting through levels, like no issues. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's like, really good at these (laughs) and it was really cool to see her like as she watches me play she's able to get an interest to play the game herself which is really cool and um i only got to the second world i think there's only three worlds for the the auto runner levels um I got. I only got to the second world because again I work all week and didn't have a whole lot of time to go back and forth. And and the last day that we, I played the Switch with my daughter, we played Pokemon again. She wanted to do some traits. So, um, but interestingly, is that what Jesse mentioned is right? Whereas you, if you find a cassette VHS tape in the level, it'll unlock platformer mode. And that's where things get really cool because you can go through and you actually jump through the levels. Uh, the first world looks like it's out of a hand-drawn Ren and Stimpy cartoon with a bunch of creepy oh, wow. stuff. It's so cool. Music's really re- retro and crazy. And the really short levels where you collect like five coins and then beat it. And you can you die a billion times, but there's no lives. 
Um, and there's a ton of levels in there. So it's literally you have like three of the the worlds with the runner and I think three of the retro worlds. I could be wrong though because it seemed like there was I only got through the first two and unlocked both the retro world in both. So still though, really love the game. And then I realized I was like, man, there's still so many games for the Switch that I own that I haven't played because I hadn't played Runner 3 that much. And I'm like, yep, this is why we need to keep playing games for the Playcast. <laughs> what about you, Barry? Yeah, I uh, I uh, hadn't played it. I've heard good things, and, and I've heard Jesse talk about it before. So I did not... I saw the TV on the map in like the first world for the retro, but I never found the cassette tape. And I, I played through the whole first world, and you know, Sausage Santa. I, I found the boss fight to be fantastic. I <laughs> love that so boss funny. fight. It was so good. My daughter's just um, like, what, what is it? It's not, you will not beat me, Sausage yeah. Santa. Like he gets <laughs> saying, and I died a bunch of times, but like every time my daughter's just saying it, she's like, oh, I say it better than him, Sausage Santa. <laughs> <laughs> See, that the boss I found easy. In fact, I found the boss 100% easier than the actual levels. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I got also into the second world. I didn't beat the second world. It, second world it was so getting, cool because it was spooky, though. The yeah. horror aesthetics. Oh, perfect, perfect for Halloween. Mm-hmm. But I, I did notice a lot of like recycles. Like in the first world, like there were flying objects coming towards you, and it was like, uh, like like donut holes with like icing on it and stuff like that, and like a like a cake level. And then in the spooky level, it's the same thing, but it's an eyeball. I'm like, oh, I get some recycled, <laughs> you know, skins, but. It, it was a lot of fun, very frustrating. Some levels were just infuriating until I finally got it right. And I started going for 100%. Oh, and no. after like, the first few worlds, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I did that with Wonderling when we played it. I was started at 100, yeah. and I'm like, no more. No more. Yeah, because like, I would miss a, miss a coin and be like, crap. And then I like, kill myself on purpose because I missed it. And like one time I, I missed a coin and then it was a checkpoint and I didn't have time to cook, kill myself. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. So like a lot of the stages I ended with like 98 out of 100 coins. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like I'm good. Oh, I, I absolutely was just going through and enjoying it because I know my time is limited. Because exactly. I want to see more of the game. <laughs> it, that was my point. I just wanted to see more. And so I never actually did find those cassettes. I found a couple of like cardboard characters on sticks. Uh, I don't know what they did, but I got them. But um, it was a lot of fun, very frustrating, but in a in a good way. Like I can definitely see going back to it. And there's ways to make it easier. I did not turn off the enemies. I left the enemies as is. However, I did turn on stair assist because stairs started to grate on me when you would just miss jump something. Mm-hmm. So I turned on stair assist just to make it a little. For bit my easier. daughter, I put on all the assists. Yeah, that was the only assist I used was the stair assist. Yeah. And that, that helped make it a little bit more enjoyable because play the game, I want to enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, there's, it's weird because there's also some like flying segments and uh, those were really hard to collect everything on because especially with everything coming towards you and up and down and different patterns. And they definitely I had to them. use the D-pad for those instead of the, jo- the joystick yes. because then I you did. could tap it to the beat. Yeah, I definitely did. And there was definitely parts where it plays to your expectations, like one where there's all these enemies in the middle. So you're like, all right, I'm going to stay top or bottom. And then suddenly the enemies appear on the top and bottom. So you go to the middle 
and and the way they go there is they go towards the center and then they bounce up and you're like oh, okay so stay away so stay in the center and then the third set of those they go towards the center but then they don't move and like oh no and you just crash right into it and it's like oh i was not expecting that so yeah i see what you did game you know you got me <laughs> uh, i would have preferred more checkpoints honestly I, I didn't like turn it to harder but there were still some segments where i was like oh my god like i just got past that really tough area um and then boom and I did notice I had problems with the um, the pads where you push up left or right on them to mm-hmm. bounce off of them. It seemed a lot of times, I don't know if it was my controller or just weird, but like the right wasn't working a lot. And the right worked on mm-hmm. everything else. And there were times where like, I would like hit it and it would be like it, w- it would crash me into the wall. I'm like, what? I was hitting it. Like, so I really would have appreciated more checkpoints. So I would cause... hold it before it. Um... You would hold it? So yeah, when, when whenever there was an up, down, up, up, left or right pad that was coming up i would hold it before it and when you hit it it automatically does it uh see i was like pushing it like because like oh, first no. I, I didn't it. try timing it no i would have lost every time <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was trying to do and i'm like yeah, oh yeah. man i just got past that one good oh no there's another set and i died i wanted a checkpoint between those two <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you just hold it beforehand it actually and i think the only reason why i knew that is because it said in one of the loading screens it's like you uh, hold hold it before you do it. So I did that, and I was like, "Oh, it's I never had an issue with those." But I thought it was like rapidly tapping, like, "Come on, one of these has got to work." <laughs> yeah, no, you just hold it, man. Like, oh, see? it would have been so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like so. Hopefully, somebody who listens to this and plays it knows to hold it now, because like, yeah, that would be frustrating as hell. Yeah, like, no, it, it some, def- some of the uh, exclamation levels that you would unlock, those were pretty uh-huh. hard. Damn, oh my that, god, those were hard. Those are fun, but those are the only times where, and somehow every time I would play those, it'd be like dinner was ready or something, and I'm like, "Well, hold on till I'm done," and then it's like 20, 30 minutes later, and then I go eat dinner, and it happened like each time I played is like right before it was like meal time, and I'm like, oh, "I don't want to pause it. I want to finish it because I don't want to have to come back." <laughs> nah, definitely one of those. I mean, it's. It's again like you, like there's so many games on the Switch that we mm-hmm. haven't opened up. That's actually kind of surprising to hear JP hasn't opened it because he usually opens up virtually every game, even if he pops it in. I don't think um, he does. It, it, <laughs> weird. You know, it's cool. It's like it has a bunch of bonuses on the first print, there's a little keychain and the soundtrack and all that stuff. But well, uh, I think it, JP only opens the newer stuff to market on his Twitter because, like, the older stuff, this was before his channel, so. Ah, maybe. The one cool thing we didn't mention uh, is that it's narrated by Charles Marnet. (laughs) Yes, it is. Old Mario, but it definitely, he doesn't use his Mario voice. He uses his own, and it's still really awesome. Yeah, well, you can't use the Mario voice. Not not without Nintendo, you know, being pissed at him. There's lots of quips and funny, like, every level is, like, funny. I like the way he reads the different uh, titles. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, all the game titles and stuff, and they're all little puns and stuff like that. It's really well done. Um, I like it. I highly recommend it. Um, And as Jesse Glenn mentioned, I was, I have the every Nicholas game that's come out so far. So that's one of my subsets. Oh, then you have to get the Elliot Quest. (laughs) I know, I know, I do. That's where I like. I'm still gonna support the developer and get Elliot Quest because it is released by Nicholas, not a limited company. Um, even though it's kind of limited, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, 
Really cool game. Highly recommended, right? Yes, I, I definitely recommend it, especially if you do enjoy uh, runners. I did not get to do the retro levels, um, but if that's your tea, that's even uh, it's more of a bonus. I think um, so it was yes, in yes. 2.8 uh, for the second world, and you can literally see the VHS tape. I didn't get to 2.8. Yeah, like that's, five or six. that one was easy. The one in World 1 um, was, it was hidden. Yeah, I never found it. I found it. Yeah, I was lucky. Um, but yeah, the, those levels, it's a completely different game. It's not an auto runner. It's literally a platformer, and you run around and jump Actually, and you kick. Was it was it one? Maybe I did find it. And I never went back. There was one level where, like, I took there was like a lower path, but there was this upper path, mm-hmm. and, like, and it was like constantly launching me up and up. And I, I did collect something, and then I died, and I don't like it made noise, so I don't know what it was. So that there's could a be lot of those idea. like collectibles on a stick, like on a lot, yeah. like a popsicle yeah. stick. So there's a lot of cool stuff. But just remember, you cannot beat me, a sausage, a Santa. Sausage, Santa. Yeah. No, Sausage Santa is awesome. Uh, I, I really, it was weird to see like a, a Santa-themed boss for the first world because it wasn't very, you know, Christmas-themed at all. Not at all. He's literally shooting out sausages that you, he then shoots missiles at you and it hits the platform and then it shoots the sausage back at him and hits him. Like, it's so weird. It was cool that the missiles actually destroy the platform, too. So you have to plan where you're going to stand to bait the missiles while shooting back at him. And you can miss, I found out. It's not 100% hit. Oh, if yeah. If you fire too far to the left or right, you will hit. You will, you will miss, I mean. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, no, it, definitely worthy uh, to play. And especially if you like that challenge, then it's perfect for you but even if you don't like the challenge there is the the difficulty assists that you could uh make it a little bit easier for you but jesse thank you so much for uh, suggesting that and definitely uh listeners leave us more recommendations and who knows it may make it on the playcast because runner three is going to stay in my my top collection it's not going to get hidden away in the archives anytime soon um definitely it's not going to be in my top 40 um but it'll be definitely in the top whatever fits in my collection ish <laughs> <laughs> whatever fits in my collection ish i love yeah. it well because like that's literally it is that i want my rental display the top four are face forward with the middle being my games that i need to play in my backlog which trials of mana is the current game i've been playing um uh, yeah. which is awesome and we'll have to talk about that in the future before the end absolutely. of the year absolutely Absolutely. But you know what? They they should send that. Like, they should re-release Runner 3, and that should be the quote on the front of the box. Good enough to be in Jeff's top whatever will fit-ish. Mm-hmm. From Switch (laughs) Mania Playcast. (laughs) Whatever will fit-ish. Gotta love it, though. Um, Highly recommend, though, this game. It's, uh, even if you, like, I'm not a big fan of auto-runners, and, like, it's just really cool. Nah, it is it is a really interesting title and very colorful, very playful, and I'm I'm happy to see uh, happy to see it not only released physically, but now happily say I played it and enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, do we got anything else for this episode? Because I know we wanted to keep it somewhat shorter, not like a million hours. <laughs> well, we we have to make sure to entertain Jesse for his whole shift if we could. But <laughs> but well, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think I think that's. That's pretty much it. Oh, you did say it was the, the thing about the kiosk is that what you covered? You said you yeah, to yeah. Like literally, what I love about the kiosk is that um, that now I have a way because like I'd never really played dock mode on my my big TV because I always have my computer on. I'm working on either premium edition 
physical like art or I'm working on books and stuff. So I never really play the Switch on a TV. Having the cast right next to it makes it easy, easily accessible. My daughter can play on it while I'm working on stuff, which because her Pokemon save doesn't transfer means that she's not going to automatically default to Pokemon, which is good. Uh, she's been actually playing a lot of Mario Maker 2 levels and she's been uploading them and then people... Um, on Facebook have been playing her levels, which are hilarious. They're like, it's not that easy. I'm like, she's really trolling everyone, saying super easy, and it's like a troll level. Oh, no. <laughs> one of those. <laughs> it's like JP when we did the episode. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, ridiculous. But she still has to beat the level, or have me beat the level. Um, but, like, it's I'm just watching her enjoy the Switch again in a different way. And now I want to try to get her to, like, enjoy other games. There's, like, a new Pokemon-like game that looks like it's all, like, hand-drawn art. Yeah, and I showed it to her. She's like, oh, it looks, it doesn't look the same. Or, like, she's not going to give it two thoughts, but if I popped it in the kiosk and let her play it, she might love it because it looks like it's, like, hand-drawn art, like, Pokemon style. And I'm like, that could be something that she would like. Um, So... We'll see, because all the Five Nights at Freddy's that were announced, she's going to want all those, because she's obsessed with them, even as an eight-year-old. Like, six-year-olds are playing <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. It's crazy. Like, that is the thing that the kids are playing in elementary school right now. Like, Times, my, they are different. <laughs> my daughter has on her iPad with Roblox, there's a jump scare simulator. Oh, God. You literally can press a button, and it does all the jump scares. That well, sounds terrifying to me. Well, you don't have the... Because part of it is is it's not really scary because you're clicking the button and seeing it versus when you play the game and you're creeping through hallways and then it pops out at you. That's, that's true. When you're expecting it, it's different yes. than... Yes. And so that's where it's like funny that my daughter thinks that she likes the jump scares when in reality, when we start playing the game, it's going to freak her out. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> let her play Resident Evil 1 and have her walk down the hallway for the second time and the dog just jumps through the window. That still mm-hmm. gives me like a heart attack (laughs) yeah i mean it's crazy um i do though this just reiterates though my love for the switch i did uh remember one thing with my kiosk is that the the spot that holds the 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 joy con like the the holder with the hand what is it called (laughs) the the controller piece that puts joy cons in it oh the um the 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 do- joy kind dog thing. I know yeah, the, the dog handles. The grip. Um, but like that one has an auto, or you're supposed to. It puts a cord with it and everything, and literally plugs in. And so that was cut on the one when I bought it. And I was gonna disassemble just to take the wire off. And in order to disassemble it, I, I actually got the triangle screws, which is what they needed. But then I, t- I took it off and I'm like, oh, I have to go like inside and unscrew it and disassemble it all. And some of it's fitted. And I'm like, I'm just going to leave that cord. I'm not going to break anything. <laughs> it's like I, I like that because the kiosk is pretty much flawless. I'm not trying to mess with anything. But, awesome. but yeah, um, I'm going to be using this sucker all the time. My daughter wants to play more video games, which is always a great thing. Um, you got to be proud about that. Yeah, exactly. And I think with this Animal Crossing marquee, my wife will never want me to take it out, but she's not going to ever play on it. So I'm thinking as a Christmas or anniversary gift or birthday gift or something, I'm going to have one of my buddies does these um, light boxes. 
and this is pretty safe because I don't think my my wife listens to the Playcast. Um, <laughs> um, but he does these custom light boxes for marquees, and I think I'm, I'm going to have him do a one for for this, and it'll stand up. So take it cool. out. And put yeah. It there. And then maybe we can get a premium edition games marquee for Switch Chaos, and I can start distributing them to GameStops. Just be like, hey, put this in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it works that way. But. Oh, that's exactly how it worked. No. <laughs> I'm going to do one for me, though, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. So to wrap things up, though, um, the Kickstarter for Sunshine uh, Manor is it has about two weeks left. It is about $1,000 away from being funded, so it'll be it's like 93% or something, so there's we we have no doubt that it'll be funded. Um, it is you know a long ways off, so there's a lot of people that are just waiting till premium edition till we put it out physically. Which we don't fault anybody. If you want to wait, wait. That's cool. Um, either way, to support the developer, this is mainly just to get more exposure and more people can know about it. Um, we're happy to pl- put Camp Sunshine on it too because I love my scary movie stuff. Games are awesome. Nobody is going to be disappointed with what we put out physically. Um, with all these items because like we're we're working with legends in the horror like community we're working with the developers the developer does his own music um it's going to be a really fun release but it's like next year that we're going to be doing that one like around this time in 2021 so it's it's a long ways off and i mean personally i don't blame anybody for waiting till we have her um in production because again like it's switch is a, a beast right now there's millions of games out there like oh, yeah. um everybody that has supported us though we thank you um we appreciate the support um we're always humbled by anybody who enjoys what we're doing um once we get you know, super blood hockey in hand and are able and people can see what we're doing and the, there's still a, a couple surprises i know we've mentioned challenge cards and and patches which i was trying to get jp to wait off on he couldn't do it um but there are still some other surprises that are going to come with this that people, when they see it, they're going to be like, oh my God, why didn't you talk about this? And it's because I want everybody to, to realize that when we say we're doing stuff premium, like we're going to do all our releases over the top. And like our normal release is worth, you know, what we're doing. Um, it's just the little touches of nostalgia. But yeah, so that's available though still for another couple weeks. Um, and you know if they, hit, I don't think they've announced any stretch goals or I didn't run this campaign at all. I literally we we just literally said yeah we'll support it with a with the physical. We're gonna do our own in the future and we'll do exclusive, um, an exclusive cover for the Kickstarter and some items. So the 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 uh, VHS box and all that stuff was for the developer he wanted them and it's only for the the, the kickstarter campaign as, as well as the graham humphreys uh case uh insert it's the only way you're going to get us for the kickstarter um we're not i won't release it outside of that jp will probably try to beg me or something when people start asking him guess what if you ask jp it ain't happening because i'm gonna be like no jp <laughs> like why are you so mean jp? no like we gotta stand to our word like no like bag the kickstarter get the amazing cover the irony is, Barry, nobody has seen the cover because Graham is very, very busy, and he said he wouldn't be able to get to it for like another couple of months. So once we show it, people are going to have that FOMO regret. <laughs> they are. It's This dude has Quite done possible. the original Nightmare on Elm Street cover. Like, it's going to look amazing. I'm excited for it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. No. But, and yeah, we left. 
It's gonna be cool. Um, now those that do that do support on Kickstarter, we will allow to buy the insert and not have to rebuy the game when we do our version because we're not jerks. Um, we will do that. Um, people want to buy both to have it sealed. Cool, that's your thing. But we will make it available because I know Barry is like one of those that likes to have all the variants. Well, you can get the cover yep. like if you want to. You won't be able to get all if we do anything else. Like uh, I think the card will probably be exclusive inside the Kickstarter one. Um, if that's the case, um, and I think they listed it. If they listed it on the Kickstarter as exclusive, then yeah, we will keep it exclusive. But if that's the case, um, then of course there'll be a different card inside, and we're only going to release the the uh, slipcase. Um, we got some other stuff though. We're cooking up with all the premiums. There'll be some stuff that we announce over uh, you know the the course of time. But again, we're moving slow, people. Like we're like. If we only release, you know, four releases a year, okay. <laughs> like, we would like to release more. Um, deluxes, we can't go any faster than four, four a year, no. just FYI. Like, that's, I, we can't get those strategy guides done to the quality level that I'm doing faster. Because it's just not possible unless we're going to just release, like, really quick art books that we could churn out real fast. Um, but doing it full strategy, like we're, we're almost done with pigeon dev and it's taken months and it's been fun. <laughs> like it's been cool, but we, you realize we have a robot named fight next, right? There's like 3 billion different combinations of levels. So yeah, we got our work cut out for us next. I might have a little anxiety over that one and it's such a fun game. Um, so that's the next deluxe that's next, though. And we still got to do Sunshine Manor and uh, Camp Sunshine deluxe guides as well for, for next year. So we already have three guides that we're doing. And I, Barry, count the Pigeon Death as the first one of next year, not the last one of this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree with that. So, Especially because everything's, you know, thanks to COVID, mm-hmm. everything has been delayed. Oh, it, it took... We just got... And this might be actually an exclusive. We just got the Friday the 13th books in the warehouse. It's, it's October. And this book was done in like January, February. And it just took so long for production, physical yeah. production. That like, I mean, backers have been waiting. And some patiently, some not patiently. Because they have they backed it on Kickstarter for Friday the 13th. But it's finally there. We're waiting for the warehouse to process. And because of COVID, it takes them even longer to do that stuff. So, Also lately, um, like due to COVID, especially, you know, mail has been significantly slower. I think everyone mm-hmm. has felt it. Uh, it seems now that the holidays are around the corner. Not only are they busier uh, but i've also significantly this week had a huge hit uh i had three packages from amazon get lost oh my um from amazon i've had i've had ones from walmart where it was on the on delivery for yesterday from fedex literally went back to the warehouse in jersey and is now in pennsylvania like what the heck is going on mm-hmm. it seems like like just everything is going backwards when it comes to shipping things so so and then just think about that combined with what we mentioned at the beginning of the episode with super blood hockey like with all the testing going back and forth like we would love for it to be out like we would love to give nintendo our money to produce the game but like the just the the process is so controlled in nintendo which is why they have a quality control but the process is so controlled that it just takes even longer now and then if we're expecting this sucker to get out 
in like two months when the production time is going to take a month and a half, whatever. And there's so many games coming out that imagine all of those games are also getting loaded in. It's not just us releasing. So like, yeah, having that expectation when we've had a month um, just going back and forth with Nintendo, it's like hopefully everybody's willing to be patient. Um, we're expecting people to be critical, but like again, we're not the only company that's running through delays. Every company's there's not one company that's not having delays. Oh yeah. Um, the only way we could fix it, which is what we're gonna try to do with Pigeon Dev, which is literally have that sucker in hand before we list it. Um, we're gonna try to do that as much as we can for any of the deluxes, um, but we can't make promises because again, COVID craziness. Like, like we've pushed it out as much as we can. We're gonna try to stick with it for sure. Well, just just last week, NIS America sent that an email to all of us that pre-ordered Cold Steel Four mm-hmm. from them, and they stated that there was a delay because of covid and that americans would ship the week of and europeans would ship in november and then just a couple days ago they actually sent an email that they were able to final you know fix the us and have mm-hmm. now shipped for release date for us but not for europe and that's a, you know nas america is a bigger company than us as you know obviously um Maybe. it's hitting everybody <laughs> but like i mean we're still the one thing I can promise everybody is that we're gonna follow through and and make everything because that's what I've done with every one of my books, all my items. Um, those that have been patiently waiting for Switch Collector Volume One, which is, this is something that I don't think you know, Barry. Um, they some of our top backers on Kickstarter have been waiting for their wooden book covers. Yep, I do. the guy who made the wooden book covers fell off the face of the earth. I I th- I'm worried that he's actually not okay, like for real, and. So, like, I've already fully paid him. I've seen pictures of the lasering of the box, like, the, the covers. Like, they, they should be done. This was, like, months ago. And he, he hasn't responded to anything. Um, Moto Glass in Arizona is a friend of his, too. He's done some of the boxes from Moto's glass work, too. And Moto lives by him, hasn't heard from him. So we're, we're pretty concerned. I still haven't heard from him, from Moto, this week, but... I actually know a local person that makes awards and stuff, and I talked to him, and he's like, yeah, I should be able to do it. So I met up with him this week. I gave him, as an example, a copy of Switch Collector Volume 2, or Volume 2, yeah, right, Um, Volume (laughs) 1, as well as the complete Virtual Boy with the wooden book cover that I have, and I only have one, but I let him use that as a baseline. He's going to create some when he has time. He's backed up, though, but he's going to be able to create some, so I'm going to come out of pocket and pay for those. Um, and get as many as I can because I think even him being able to do more than 10 would be a stretch, and we have more than 10 backers. But at least I'm going to be able to get some of them done in hand because the thing that is the the alarming part is if I get all those wooden covers from the the original guy, um, Ozpin, if I get them from him, I still have to hand stain and ink every one, which takes six to eight hours. Yep. And that's times 20. It's a lot of, that's like, you know, another, <laughs> that's another hundred hours that I don't have. So, um, you know, this was before premium edition was, was launched. Like we were working on getting premium, but like the time doesn't exist. So this guy will actually ink and, or not, he doesn't ink them, but he'll stain them and then, then laser them. And it should be super dark and not even require inking. Like he has a different process, which might be great for if we do, when we do volume two, cause we will have wooden book covers and I'm going to go through this guy. Um, but when we launch volume two, like I 
am guilty because I feel guilty because like those top tier guys don't have their stuff. I've shipped out as much as I can stateside. Internationally, there's a few guys internationally that have gotten the high tier and I can't afford to send them $200 packages um, when I only charge them like 20 bucks for shipping. <laughs> like that's not a thing I can do, um, unfortunately. But I've shipped most of most of everybody's stuff piecemealed for like a couple bucks a piece in the states, and I'm still waiting though on those wooden book covers, and that's crazy. But it will get out, and that's the thing. Like everybody that's gotten all my old books, they always get all their stuff. Um, I know people have already started to ask us, right, Barry? That when's when's it shipping? Like it's October, man. <laughs> like we said in the PR and everywhere it said December um, December was with no delays so great we have delays thanks <laughs> but again we appreciate everybody supporting us uh, we ask for everybody to be patient as they can um, you know I, I expect some will be critical that's okay you're allowed to I mean we're only we're only human and again we're not NIS America and they're having delays so <laughs> exactly like it is what it is we'll continue to make cool stuff I'm every day working on stuff for for premium edition and for Hagen's alley um, we're, we're about to launch switch collector volume 2 on Kickstarter I'm probably going to offer those that are waiting I'm gonna shoot them a message and offer them something for their patience. Um, because they've all been awesome. I have not had one person that's been waiting on volume one stuff like went off on me, which is which is really cool of them. Um, but that being said, uh, I think we should wrap her up, right? I agree. All right, so you can find me online at Hagen's Alley on Facebook and the Twitter, and at Hagen's Alley Books on Instagram. We are available at Hagen'sAlley.com for the books and PremiumEditionGames.com for the games. Right now, it, there's a link up there for you to follow the uh, Sunshine Manor Kickstarter. You can see if it's funded. You can click the button and support it if you want. Um, what about you, Bear? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Hellfire. You could find me on Facebook and on YouTube at Nintendo Fuse. You'd also find me on the Premium Edition Discord. We have a wonderful Discord with some polls up and a lot of people talking, and we'd love to have you join us there. Feel free to talk smack about me, Barry, because I don't go on there enough, and I need to more. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I will this weekend, damn it. Um, all right, everybody, thank you for listening. Make sure you tag JP and talk smack that he never comes on the episodes. And thank you for listening. See you next week. Have a good one. You cannot be beat with Dossit, Santa, Dossit. Oh, oh, oh. Dossit. It's Dossit time. You cannot be beat with Dossit, Santa. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh.